Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. How often have you thought about the importance of intentionally making your family, the people that you love, the most important thing in your life? Not just in word and intention, but in actuality. On today's show, I'm talking with Jason Martin, the author of This Is Your Captain Speaking, Life Lessons from the Journey So Far. As I read his book, it was easy to sum up the entire premise. It was make your family top priority and the intentionality of making memories and recording memories and sharing memories with loved ones. In his heartwarming book that he wrote to his family, Jason takes us on this journey inside his life as a husband and a father and a provider and a family leader. You will watch as he shows you how to create a life filled with memories that your children will remember for the rest of their lives. Clearly this book is written to his children. He's created this legacy built on a foundation of love and hope and gratitude. And the family will learn critical life lessons in becoming the best versions of themselves. This is what he's hoping for. And he's giving them advice through this book. So this is what we're all about on the Love Your Story podcast is intentionally creating the life that we want. So stay tuned for my discussion with Jason, the captain of his family. And I think you'll leave with some ideas for your own intentional family living. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Jason Martin has no experience as a writer. In fact, he failed copy editing in college, but he is a believer in dreams and stretching. He's a former sports anchor and currently runs one of the most successful real estate teams in Washington, D.C. But above all of this, his family is his number one priority. He and his wife, Jennifer, have three human children and a dog named Scooby, which I can appreciate. I have a dog who is like family also. They live together. They have fun, wild, everyday, normal life. And Jason wrote this book specifically to his family, addressing them even in really unexpected places and whatnot in the book. As I was reading it, it was almost like I was peeking into being a voyeur into a, a very specific family journal, kind of. So there's no question that we are peeking into a compilation that he wrote for his kids. But in that compilation, we also see what it looks like to put family first. There's no doubt that he wishes to teach and support and leave a legacy of advice and family history. So Jason, welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Oh man, I'm so excited to be here, Lori. I appreciate it. And I, I think I told you in one of your emails, I'm just a big fan of your soothing voice and, and the way you interview guests. I'm I'm super excited to be on the show and I'm honored. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. I was struck by one of the quotes. You start out your book with, quote, anyone who knows me will tell you that above all else comes family. So let's start out with the question, why? Why for you is that is that the thing that you just rally around? I, I rally around that for a, a bunch of reasons, but the, the 
primary one is that that gives me clarity in everything that I do. So if I'm ever lost on a direction or struggling to figure things out, I just have to go back to what my number one priority is. And that always seems to provide the answer for me. And I think we live in a world that it's easy to go a bunch of different directions and, and, and look at shiny new objects and be all over the place. But when I need clarity, I go back to the thing that matters most to me, and that's my family. You know what I, I love about that is that you are clear. You are very clear on what that is, and you let that serve you as you make decisions. I think that all of us in life would be so much better off if we could do that. And I, I also think we give lip service to putting family first a lot. And not that everybody doesn't do a little bit in their own way, but it, you know, it seems like a, almost a silly question of why is putting your family first important to you? Because it seems like a no brainer. Everybody sort of thinks that's what they should do, but what that really looks like in action is maybe very different than, you know, the decisions that we actually make in our everyday lives. So I love that the go-to is when I make a decision, how does this affect my family? It, is this in line with family priority? That's a very stabilizing decision-making go-to. Yeah, I, I need that in my life because opportunity does, does frequently come my way. And it'd be super easy to say yes to a lot of different things. However, I then I look at my schedule and my, my own rhythm and my own family and go, okay, two soccer games on a Saturday, hockey practice in the morning, and then Sunday. And all parents out there, they, they get this. I'm not telling them anything new. But I look at it and go, am I really willing to sacrifice what I have going on with my family right now? And usually the answer is is no. And I want my, my kids and my family to experience the best of me, the best that I have to offer them. And the way I do that is by being present as much as I possibly can in their lives. I like to know what's going on in, in their lives. I like to know what page my daughter is on her current book. And and uh, I like to know what my youngest is thinking, which usually involves, hey, dad, will you come jump on the trampoline with me? And, <laughs> and my son, what's going on in his world as he's becoming a young man? So there's just things I don't want to miss. And I'm super aware of the fact that their time under my roof, so to speak, is really limited in our lifespan. So people think, well, we got a ton of time. Well, my kids are starting high school in the fall. My, my twins are anyway. And I know what that means. That means the ticker is on for them to be full time under my roof for like four years. So I don't I don't want to let go of any of it. And that's that's what the book is really about is just trying to trying to capture it so that so that they know how I feel about them forever, long after I'm gone from this earth. And um, it's a nice reminder for me as well, selfishly, I'll speak selfishly, of where I was in my life at a point in time so that I can reflect on it and just be like, all right, I did it. And, and, and what my number one priority was and still is and always will be is, is um, that's it for me. Well, the book is a great gift to them, but I think the greatest gift is exactly what you're talking about, the fact that you will be there. And as they grow up, you will be a part of their life so you can talk to them, so that they will trust you to talk to you. You know, even the whole time that children are under our roof, they are not open to us that whole time. And I think that the more involved you are as they are younger and the more trust that is built and the more they feel of your love, the more likely they are to be open 
and expressive and you're able to have influence when they get into those years of trying to transition into adulthood that are so terribly difficult. Yeah. What, one person, um, another author asked me, said, how do you define success with the book? And I answered him very clearly. And I said, success is if my family reads it and they understand how much I love them. And I, I want to share with you, Lori, I, I didn't know how they would, I, I didn't want to make any assumptions that they would just absorb it. Right. But within 24 to 48 hours, my family ripped through the book and we were in these conversations about their favorite chapters and, and the life lessons. And it, it's, it was so, I was so overwhelmed with joy from that. Like the whole process just, it was a success based upon that. And the funny thing about it is no matter how hard I try, if I went every day and knocked on their door and said, here's the life lesson I want you to know today, the life lesson I want you to know today, you know how as a parent, you can kind of, you're constantly trying to get into your children's ear. Well, I feel like um, it, it, as long as they've been alive, they did. I got more through in this book to them in mm. 24 to 48 hours than, than their entire life, I think. But it's cool. <laughs> and uh, it's been such a, an exciting, an exciting project. Well, I believe that. And, and maybe what you have next on your list is setting up some kind of a program that helps people write their own you know, version of this for their families. Because what you've done here is really powerful. You've shared your own values. You've shared your own ideas, the things that you feel are important for your family. In fact, um, you wrote this in a way that specifically focuses on ideas and stories about a topic. So dreams or getting back up when you fall down and then you share a lesson about it. Let's talk about some of those. So the first one, how about recovering from failure? You said failure is a wonderful opportunity to reinvent yourself. I love that idea. That's so positive. Tell me a little about it. Yeah. I mean, we all go through failures in life and I, I am afraid that not uh, there's not enough conversations around the the F word as we call it in the book, and I I want to be in that conversation. And what I've learned through my own journeys, my own personal journeys, is that when you look at it as it's it's kind of failure is the way, right? Failure is the is the is the light. It's there to teach you something, and if you can look at it from that lens you could and should and probably will come out a better person on the other side. And there Um, will be less shame around that. You know, there's always this sense of failure if I fail and it's a bad thing when reality, anyone who's succeeded has had to fail repeatedly along the way to figure out how you do a thing, you know? So I love that you just open about it. Hey, this is going to happen. Be prepared. It's cool. It's okay. We'll learn from it. And then we do the next thing. And I think our society is starting to do a better job of, of describing their failures. I think it's it's uh, something that, that is that is more of a conversation. So, um, yeah, for sure. A rising tide lifts all boats. You said, quote, when I surround myself with the right people, anything is possible, unquote. How do you teach this to your kids? Well, I just hope to lead by example. So they see the people that are in my world. And, and one of the folks in the chapter you're referencing is, is John Coleman. So uh, John Coleman is a, is a dear friend and a business partner. And we talk about him in the book. And my kids get to experience the goodness of John Coleman in their lives and his wife, Julia. So I, I, I don't automatically teach it, but I want to show them like, hey, 
this is what that looks like when you surround yourself with these types of individuals and you got to give back to them as, as, as much as they give to you, but they can see it and they can witness it. So my hope is that as they go through their life, um, they'll look back and be like, Hey, that's, that's how dad did that. That was pretty cool. Maybe I need to be surrounded with the right type of people here. So that's the thought behind that. And I like the idea that lifting up everyone who is important to you is a beautiful way to live because it just is. If you are functioning from this place where the people that you love and that you associate with and that you do business with, that you're a lifter, you know, that the people who get to associate with you, you're in the process of lifting. You're not only going to attract and do so much good in the world, but what a beautiful lesson to teach your children. If they can grow up seeing that, like you say, through your example, but also, you know, knowing and reading about it in your book, and they can incorporate that anything, you know, any part of that into their character and way of being, you've created wonderful people. Yeah, it's cool because the world, the world really opens up when you, when you're able to look at it that way. And it's, it's, that's kind of hard for some people to grasp is, is that concept, but really for the people that are really, really important to me in my world, my, my only job is to, to make sure that they're happy and to make sure they're, they're, they're in a good spot and to help them get to where they want to go. And, and that's the whole point of it is when you come from a good spot with the right people, the world opens up and, and as, as big as you can dream, double it because it's, it's all about, it's, it's all about people and doing the right things with the people that matter most to you. Well, and I have seen, there's this book called Love is the Killer App, and it's talking about the best ways to network, the best ways just, and this isn't necessarily family, but I think it goes across the board with our um, interactions with humanity. When you're looking out and trying to lift the people around you instead of which is so often prevalent in our culture, the idea of um, trying to be better than everybody or striving to find fault with the other groups or the other ideas and, you know, pulling people down. If you are the opposite of that, you're a peacemaker, a lifter, a guider, you know, making the world better for the people within your sphere of influence, you're functioning on a higher vibrational level. You're just, you've got it. Yeah. I I know that's a higher vibrational level. I like the way you describe that and, and, and you start to attract more types of people uh, that you want to attract in your world too. So there's there's this whole thing that's going on that is kind of it's out there when you get when you get into the groove and you're like, wow, why why didn't I do it this way all along? Mm. But we all have our own journeys and and um, I don't know maybe I'm right where I'm supposed to be at the exact moment I'm supposed to be. Yeah, well, and I like that idea too. If you know if those of you that are listening are like, what's one takeaway? Re- you know, remember this: go out into your life and try to make people's lives better today. You know, sometimes it's really small things by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. You can, you can lift a lot by leaving a podcast review for, you know, for a podcaster who's working really hard on a podcast, you know, I mean, there's, there's little things that just make the world better support what other people are trying to do your loved ones. And it's really a very different way of living than the selfish, I have to do as much as I can do with in a day and, you know, rush, rush, rush for me, me, me. It's a very different mindset, but it's a really different way of living too. And I like how you brought up the point that it attracts people and opportunities because that is a truth. When you are lifting and sharing, it attracts 
opportunities and people that will support you and things will show up when you need them just because you function from that space. So I love this idea of a rising tide lifts all boats. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's one of my favorites. Okay, so one of your other life lessons was that life has seasons. You said, quote, through the dark season, I learned to be the person I was meant to be. Use the dark seasons for good in your life. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Because so often we miss that that's our opportunity. So how do you do that? Well, first off, when you're going through it, let's let's go to the to the spot. When you're going through it, it's not easy. And whatever it is for you, and believe me, I, I, I'll just say it, everybody has an it that they go through. And um, I don't know what yours is, or, and you don't even necessarily know what mine is. But, but when you look back at it and say, all right, this is where I am, and how do I, how do I move forward from here? Uh, what direction do I want to go? Who do I want to be? The funny thing is you start asking yourself these questions and when you ask yourself the right questions, you start to move in a direction. And I call that direction the starting line. And wherever you are in your life or whatever it is, when you start to move towards the starting line, you're moving in a direction. And if you allow that adversity in your life, if you look at it like that and say, okay, I just tripped and I just fell down. But now I'm going to get back up. I'm going to dust myself off. And there's the starting line for something new over there or a different direction, a, a new me. And I always like to tell folks, and it's, it's the landing page for the book. It's uh, todayyouchoose.com. Uh, I always like to tell people, as I talk about the starting line, today you choose is all about you. And, and you can make a choice today to move in a direction, to go to a starting line and begin to explore a brand new opportunity. And oh, by the way, you started to ask yourself that question and think about that opportunity, likely, not always, but likely through that adversity or through that that moment of, of self-defined weakness. And because of that, it looks like this. And when you're able to reflect on it, it's it's pretty powerful and it's pretty exciting. You know, I think when we hit those dark patches in our lives, <sighs> There's a space where we don't do anything and we have to acknowledge that there's a space where we have to recover, where we have to catch our breath, where that's not the space where we jump up and be like, I'm going to learn something great from this. I mean, there's yeah. there's pain and there's misery and there's recovery and there's catching your breath. But when you do get to the place where you can stand up again, depending on you know how tragic this moment is, what you do and how you do it and the the story that you choose to tell yourself about what happened, meaning you can either go into a place of victimhood or difficulty, um, blame, bitterness, right? You can stay in those places for sure, or you can choose to say, what meaning can I find from this? What, yeah. what did I gain? You know, and sometimes what you gain is just the relationships that you built when people came to support you or whatever it is. I mean, there's always something that we learn, though, and oftentimes it's empathy or a greater understanding for the human family at, at, at large. But those things absolutely come back to what you said, 
Through the dark season, I learned to be the person I was meant to be because it's those dark seasons that help us to form and learn and grow in ways that we can't in other ways. And so I think that's a beautiful way to look at it instead of the, there's going to be dark seasons and that's going to suck. I love this, that I, the dark season, I learned to be the person I was meant to be. So that's beautiful. And it takes time. Thank you for saying that. It also takes time. I don't want to overlook that. So what, like, again, whatever it is you're going through, or maybe you're not going through anything, but you will. And also understand that it takes time. And even though we're talking about the starting line and get back up and start again, there is that period in which you're talking about. And I'll even reference this book in it. And uh, you, <laughs> my first, my first draft, I got punched in the gut by the editor uh, because I, I, I'm in business and uh, I'm an entrepreneur. And my first run at a book was an entrepreneurial um, uh, self-help for business folks. And the editor said, whoa, 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 you totally missed the mark. And that was the punch in the gut, right? And it took me three weeks to even think about writing the book again. But what the, the content editor did identify was she said, you get really passionate about your family and you tell the stories through the lens of a father and a husband. I want more of that. And because that punch in the gut that knocked me down is a real life example in writing the book, she identified that. And then the book just flowed. And I think I had to get punched to get what you see, or, or, you know, this is your captain speaking the book. Um, what you guys will hopefully put in your hands or read on your Kindle I, I needed to get knocked out and I did, but I got back up, but it took three weeks, Lori, before I even, I was like, am I going to finish this book? But once I did get back up, it, same thing, it all opened up and it started to free flow from there. Okay. In chapter 12, you strive to teach your kids the importance of having a positive mental attitude. And I love this line. You say, quote, does having a negative attitude ever make things better? <laughs> it's just yeah. like it's such a great statement because when those moments come and we are in that not positive attitude place, you just think, if I stay here, it's not ever going to get better. I get to shift this. Tell us the story of the sixth grade teacher. Oh, man, it's um, the sixth grade teacher. So we walk into our classroom and at the uh, Northern Middle School in Calgary County, Maryland, uh, we were in a trailer outside. Most of you guys can visualize trailers with classrooms. So we go into the trailer and on uh, this big whiteboard are these three letters, PMA. And we sit down in, in sixth grade, like you're, everybody's anxious. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of stuff happening in sixth grade. But our, our teacher at the time, Morris Hawkins, very calm gentleman, trustworthy guy, like somebody you just wanted to do good for, sits us down and he says, PMA, we, we were so curious. And then he goes, positive mental attitude. And then he proceeds to tell us exactly what that means. And as simple as it sounds, think about the impact that that lesson that 10 minute or 15 minute lesson where he sat us down in sixth grade has carried with me through my entire life. And I get so excited telling that story because I, I think maybe there's some teachers listening or, or hopefully there will be some here. It's, man, guess what guys? It's not about one plus one or two plus two. It's about a life lesson. It's about how to think. And like, if you look back on, on things that have impacted your life, 
that was a moment in time for me that that will stick with me until the day I die. So I wanted to share that lesson with my children. And the thing I love about it is it's so simple. It's so simple. But don't we need the reminder? And by the way, the challenge is for everybody listening is tell me a spot where a negative attitude helped you with anything. And I'm not saying it can't be done. I just I would just like to know it, because as I look back on my own life, there's not a single moment where that negative attitude actually helped me. Okay, putting you on the spot. Do it. I knew you might. (laughs) What do you do every day that shows that you put your family first? Mm, Man, every day. So we uh, go to bed each night. There's always a hug and a kiss for sure that says, I love you. We, We always do that. I don't walk out the door the next morning without saying that to my family as well. So like that simple move of that, like, I'm going to miss that when they move out of the house. I will, I will legitimately cry because I don't have that. Like we'll still be able to pick up the phone and call, but they're not going to want to hear from dad. I love you every day when I pick up the phone and call them. So that, that is a staple every day. And then I like to just have a quick conversation with them about what they did for the day. Like, what did you do? And then ask them a few questions around them because I, I hate to say it. Well, I don't hate to say it. It's just reality. With children, they don't necessarily want to talk about you or mom or your day. They want you to know how their day went and they want to tell you about, about how their day went. So I just like to be present in that conversation. So like with the game I play with my daughter said, guess what page I'm on on my book, dad? And like 128, she'd be like 170. That lets her know that I'm fully engaged in her world. And, and I, I like to do as much of that as I can each day. And that's what they get excited about. Even the book, I've actually stopped talking about the book with them unless they approach it with me because it's, you know, I'm doing podcasts and we're doing book signings and stuff like that. They don't, I only want to talk about the book with them if they want to talk about it with me because I want to make it about them. And, um, and I'm cautious not to make it about dad. Like, hey, check out dad. We're on Amazon. Or check out dad's book signing. It's, it would be easy to do that. The book is for the goodness of, of them and, and, and the joy that they bring to my life. So I want to keep it that way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And they will always have that book there that they can go back to after you're gone or when they get into a tough situation in high school that, you know, they can open it up and read. I mean, by putting it into book form, you've really created a resource for them, which is wonderful. Yeah. And I I hope anybody listening is, um, if if you can think of a way and and you're welcome to connect with me again, it's the, I know you'll mention it, but the landing page is todayyouchoose.com. It doesn't have to be a book for your family. Uh, It could be a simple take pictures and share pictures with them once a week. Little things so they know that they're your top priority is the way to go. And watch them light up when you do it. Like kids, they sit down and look at pictures, right? Who do they want to see? They want to see themselves. I love that idea. That's cool. Yeah, that's brilliant. The idea of sharing pictures because it also solidifies memories. I have a big picture board up in my dining room where I'll take, I'll print off pictures, have them printed off of any of our adventures, our camping trips, our river rafting, whatever we do and put them all up there. And it, it just solidifies that you did something. If you're ever thinking, oh, my life sucks or we don't do anything. You look up at the board, (laughs) you got nowhere to go. We, you know, you're doing lots of fun things as a family. It's, there's proof. 
There is proof, and Google Photos will do it for you too. If you, as a matter of fact, I'm enjoying Google Photos, which hits me up like your memories from five years ago, and I'll be like, "Kids, look at this!" So it's pretty uh, amazing. You could do idea. that. You could journal, um, just once a month journal for them. It doesn't have to be every week, but journaling is a powerful thing to mm. to write down your family memories. In fact, kind of the book sort of started from that spot for me. And then you could do that. I have a dry erase board in my shower where um, most of our family shares the the, uh, the same shower. Not all of us, the twins are in a different one, but the youngest. So I'll leave a little note on the dry erase board for her. And she'll That's pick cute. up on it. There's all these little things you can do so that they know, hey, you're it for me, guys. You're the number one priority. And um, it's just a, it's a fulfilling way to live, Lori. And it makes me very, very, very happy. Mm, I like that so much. So, We've been doing this a little bit already, but what would you suggest to the listeners who want to put this idea into action of family first? Not just the not just the idea of it, but in actuality. You know what what can you do today to kind of start making that a reality? So it has to be a choice. And and we talked about that. That's why that those are my three little bud words. Today you choose. It needs to be a choice. You need to take it from the brain to action items. And I've given you a few already, but I encourage you to think about it daily. So however you need to remind yourself daily to make your family a priority, just do it and start from there. And like I said, pictures or dry erase board or journaling or or just the question of what page are you on the book and almost give yourself a, like a little check, uh, keep, a, keep a running total. like. Did I let my family know that they're my number one priority today? Check. And you're going to get better and better and better at it. And also what you're going to find out is, you already know this, it's going faster and faster and faster, your time with the children under your roof. You better capture it because it's not going to be here forever. So it's a challenge for you. It really is. Well, I have two thoughts on that. One is when my kids were young, I did what was called, I was in an academic mindset and I had kind of at the time wanted to be an archaeologist. <laughs> but all right. But and so I had these fantasies of taking my child and running off to archaeological digs. But what I did instead was started a notebook called Field Notes and I would keep field notes about what my child did all the time, what we did every day. And because I had called it that, I didn't feel like they had to be any like grand shattering sorts of things. I was just taking notes on every little thing that happened. So something he'd say or something silly he'd do. And you'd think, oh, I'd remember that because at the moment it's really like stands out. But the reality yeah. was I would go back years or months later, even weeks later and be like, oh my gosh, that did happen. Like I would have completely forgotten, but because I had this field notes journal, I had all of this stuff from their childhood that just beautiful little things and, and grow things. And, you know, today they ate this and today they did this. But when you put them all together, you started getting a, a really wonderful picture of what family life was like at the time. Oh, and that's so exciting. Thank you for cool. sharing that. I'm taking notes on that right there. Like I love... <laughs> How you did that. And then how about the feeling you had when you read it three or four years oh, yeah. later? It took you right back there, didn't it? Yeah. And and when I'd share with the kids, remember when you were little and you said this? And they'd be like, oh, my gosh, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> One yeah, time my, yeah. Son, my son took a phone charger and put it in his mouth. And, you know, he was just little. He's like two or three. He was old enough to talk. And I, and I <laughs> looked at him and he's like, mm, it tastes like chicken. 
<laughs> like what a uh, funny little thing to say, you know? So I jot that down and, you know, it's just, it's just kids stuff, but it's stuff that as a parent, it matters to you and fun things that you can share with them later, you know, and a goofy thing for a two-year-old to say. Yeah. What, what matters as a parent though, it's, it's those memories and how else are you going to capture them if you're and here, we're going to go back to the challenge for everybody. How else are you going to capture them? Are you thinking about capturing them? Because if you don't, your memory, you mentioned it. My memory is not perfect for sure. And um, having it to fall back on, I envision being an 85-year-old person and reading this book again to be like, man, that was that was so cool. And then hopefully one day having grandchildren and going. You'll be like, hey, man, I was so smart. I was so. No, wise. I don't know about that. I was like, this, this is, I don't know. I failed copy editing in college and I wrote a book. Don't ask me. Well, you know what? I got kicked out of, not kicked out, but you have to get, <laughs> you have to get signed by the teacher. You had to get signatures to get into your honors English class in, in high school. And they wouldn't sign me in. Mrs. Workman would not sign me in. So since then, I've published five books with publishers and have a, a bachelor's in English writing and a master's <laughs> through the English department in folklore. And I just thought when I published my first book, I wanted to send it to her and be like, <laughs> in your I love that. Sister. I love that. Here it is. Here it is for you. So, okay, so this fabulous book, the thing that, well, I love what it is to your children, but I also think it's a beautiful gift for those of us who get to read it because it shares an example and will give you ideas of, of what it looks like to really, you know, to put family first, lessons, how to share them with your kids, all sorts of things that you can gain from Jason's book here. So that being said, where can they get a copy of your book? Sure, they can uh, Amazon. It is fully available there. And uh, there's a funny thing about that. It's um, this is your captain speaking. There's a couple of other books with the same title. And uh, but you, you'll find me there. Remember the Love Boat guy? Did you ever watch the Love Boat? I did. Uh, okay. I had to sneak though. My parents didn't want me to. I had to hide behind the chair at night. <laughs> All right. So he's got a book called This Is Your Captain Speaking. If anybody uh, knows him, I want to connect with him and get a picture next to the Love Boat guy. With, with that'd our be two, great. This Is Your Captain Speaking. But check it on Amazon. And then if you want to go to my landing page again, it's todayyouchoose.com. And you can uh, connect with me there. Uh, and you can also order the book there. I got some pictures of my family up and um, you get to know us a little better. And we will have links in the show notes on loveyourstorypodcast.com for this episode. All his information will be there. Links to buy the book. Again, it is This Is Your Captain Speaking by Jason Martin. Thank you for being here. Do you have any last words of advice or things you want to share? Uh, I always have plenty of advice. I, I don't know if uh, everybody's always going to listen to it, but I, if you take nothing else away from today and you start asking yourself some questions about what what it is you want to accomplish while you're here for certain types of people, that, that'll make me happy. If you just start asking yourself some questions about what it looks like for you and whether that's in family life or if you don't have a family yet, that's okay too. Just ask some questions. Who, where are you? Where do you want to be? That, that, that'll, that'll make my day. See, and this is all about, we bring it back to intentionally creating the life story that you want on purpose. 
And I'm super excited to have had you on because the idea of working family into this, we haven't really talked about that on any of the other episodes. We've talked about overcoming and shared people's stories of achievements and overcoming hard things and, and, you know, the importance of motivation and thinking highly of yourself and positive mental attitude, you know, all of those things, but we haven't really talked about family before. So I, Jason, I appreciate so much that you wrote the book. Appreciate so much that you're willing to talk about it because as you create your life story on purpose, family is something not to be overlooked. It's just something we should have talked about sooner. And I'm glad that we finally got it worked in. I'm honored to be a guest and I so appreciate you having me. Thank you. The last section of this book has a list of nine final lessons, and I wanted to end with three of them that I really liked. The first one that I want to talk about is consistency. Consistency is required for success in life. As you create your best life story on purpose, be consistent with those things that really matter. Consistently be there. Show up. Consistently be kind. Consistently listen. Consistently sit down and tackle that project. Intentionality requires consistency. The second one is what you tell yourself matters. Now, here we are back to the idea that the stories you tell yourself are the most powerful stories you will ever tell. If your self-talk is uplifting and supportive, you'll fly. You'll fly. You've got to be your own number one support. The third idea is ideas need to move into action. So as you intentionally plan what you want in your story, you'll start with an idea. If you don't put that idea into action, it just won't happen. So remember, intentionally living requires that you take action. Even if it takes years to show up, those little actions will bring it around. Your challenge for this week is to think about your family. Think about the priority they are for you. And see if your actions are aligned with where that priority sits in your mind and heart. All these ideas that we've discussed today are ideas you can teach your family. The kids can help the parents understand new ideas, and parents should absolutely teach children how to live intentionally. If there's something that you can tweak this week to help your kids learn an idea, or know that they are a priority, or just create a little family love, do it. Thank you for being here. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and we will see you in two weeks.